Welcome back to more Money Minutes for Doctors. This is episode number 21, where we're going to be talking about doctors and the Cascade Catastrophe Plan. Catherine Besson's here. I'm the CEO and founder of MD Financial Advisors. And I want to talk about what happens when things go wrong or the unexpected happens in your life, like last year. We want to make sure that each of our doctors has a sense of peace about their financial future, even if there's an emergency. We want to give them a sense of preparedness. And that is why we prep our clients to have what I call the Cascade Catastrophe Plan. With this plan in place, our doctors are able to take financial obstacles in stride without throwing off their entire retirement plan and still be able to put their kids through college. Now for further questions, or if there's something you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please reach out to us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media at MD Financial Advisors, and that way you'll never miss an episode. So we've talked in previous episodes about disability insurance and life insurance, and these are great tools to help protect you and your family if the worst were to happen. But what if you lost your job or maybe your hours were cut? Or what if you had a sudden injury or illness and it left you with very, very large hospital bills? No one expected so many doctors to be furloughed or laid off in 2020 and in 2021. But for our clients, we had prepared catastrophe plans to make sure they had everything they needed until their offices were ready to safely reopen. Usually when we put together these plans, we're not planning for a worldwide pandemic, but for our individual plans are designed to help financially protect doctors with minor setbacks and worst case scenarios. So we break down the plan into a number of sections, seven to be precise, and each varies in accessibility and how much it can earn for you as you're thinking about where do you tap into funds when you've got that emergency, when you need some extra money. So let's go through this. And as I said, I call this the Cascade Catastrophe Plan. And to be frank, I modeled it a little bit after the aqueducts in Rome. So for those of you who studied your history, you may know that there were three levels of aqueducts. And at the, uh, when they had the most water, they could actually use them to fund beautiful fountains in the city and um, in, in their parks. It was lovely. But if they didn't have enough water to fund that, they made sure that they at least had the second level funded. And that was going to be watering for the gardens, for the, for the crops, for the animals. And the most restricted water that they had to have was for, of course, everyday drinking purposes. So I love that whole thought about how it cascaded down. And I do the same thing for doctors. So we'll do the start with step number one or section number one, what I call the emergency fund. Now this is typically a fund that you think of when you think of emergencies and we almost always start with putting this money in a bank. Now, yes, I will be the first to tell you that this is not gonna earn any money nowadays. It is not gonna keep up with inflation, but it is gonna be there when you need it. And we found that six weeks, believe it or not, is about the average transition time between jobs for doctors. Not the same if you're an attorney, not the same if you're an accountant or maybe an engineer, but doctors are so blessed because there's always going to be other work for you out there if you lose your job. But even with that said, I think I'd like to recommend three to five months 
worth of fixed living expenses and easily accessible, accessible funds so that our doctors can feel secure and confident while they're searching for the next step in their career. Now, what I mean by fixed living expenses, this is not trips to Tahiti, it is not new clothes, and frankly, it's probably not even regular savings account. It is gonna be things like everyday bills, your mortgages, your student loans, food, transportation, daycares, things that you absolutely have to pay for on a monthly basis. Uh, like I said, we're not gonna use this to redecorate your living room or take a fancy trip, but it is enough for you to sleep well at night. When clients ask for recommendations, as I said, I usually tell them three to five months worth of these fixed living expenses. Now, some clients need more and that's fine. I want them to have whatever it takes for them to be able to put their head on the pillow and sleep at night. And that way we can replace this money once life returns to normal. And we have no fears that we're going to lose money or that your catastrophe is gonna happen when the market is down. Next step, section two, the intermediate account. I think of this as a put and take account. We put money in and we take money out. Uh, for some clients, it's a backup emergency fund. Now these funds are fully accessible, they're liquid, we put them in a non-qualified brokerage account. And we earmark them for large purchases, usually in the next two to eight years. Sometimes that can be for a wedding, it can be for buying a house, a down payment, a new car. And as I mentioned, we also use it as a backup emergency fund. So for an example, maybe we've got doctors who want $100,000 in an emergency fund. Personally, I feel like that's way too much money to keep in a bank account nowadays. So we might take half, put 50,000 into the bank and take that other 50,000 and put it into this intermediate account for the backup emergency fund. Now, most often we use an account that I call the 2575 account. It's 25% stocks, 75% bonds. It does have some risk. Yes, it can lose money, maybe eight years out of 10. It should do better uh, and, and be profitable but occasionally it can lose money. It tends to recover within a few months, maybe a year at most. But I do wanna make sure that clients are well aware of that. It's low risk, but it's gonna be low return. I do have clients though that are more risk takers and they're very comfortable having a 50-50 account for, the, for stage two. That would be half stocks and half bonds. Now, my whole goal with these accounts is one thing, do better than the bank. So anytime we can do better than 1%, I consider that a big win and I feel like we've accomplished our goals. Now, historically, these accounts have actually averaged two to maybe even as much as 6%, depending on the time frame. I never tell clients to look for that. Once again, just are we doing better than the bank? So I would say this beats the banks about 80% of the time. Now, like the funds in section one in the bank, we do not use this put and take or the backup emergency fund when we're doing our retirement plan projections. And the reason we don't use this in retirement plans is because I anticipate you're going to be spending this money long before retirement. It's gonna go for a wedding, it's gonna go for a home purchase, a new car, children's education or some other emergency. So this is the second place where we draw money from in an emergency. The money's highly liquid. You can get it within a day or two. I could actually wire transfer it to you if it was a gigantic emergency and you needed it that day. 
There's no penalties. There's no surrender charges for getting the money out. There may be a small trading charge. All right, let's go on to section three. This is the home equity line of credit. So this obviously only works for doctors who actually own a home and it has some equity in it. So given that interest rates are so low, this is a good time to go to your bank and see if they would give you a home equity line of credit. And we can use this as an additional emergency fund. Right now, I think it's a good thing to do even if you never access it. In fact, I did this recently for my, for my own house. And the reason I did this was not only is it there as an emergency fund, a backup, backup emergency fund, um, but it could be used for if we had other repairs we wanted to do on the house, we wanted to finance them at a low interest rate, but it also becomes an asset protection strategy. So if you're worried about patients or other people suing you, this will show up as a quote, lean against your home, even if you haven't accessed it, meaning even if you hadn't borrowed any money. So it's a great way to protect the equity in your house. So that's section three. Now, moving on to section four, the wealth accumulation account, or what I think of as the put and keep account. This is the account we invest in and we put money in there. We want to keep it in that account and we want to use it for long-term goals, for financial independence, for retirement. Now, this is another taxable or non-qualified brokerage account, but we earmark the funds for retirement. Now, the difference here is that normally we're taking more risk with these investments because we're going to be using them for the long run than we would that more intermediate account. So remember with the intermediate account, we might be doing a 25% stock to bond ratio. In this account, frankly, it might be reversed. It might be 80% stocks and 20% bonds. So given that it's riskier, we're going to have higher highs and lower lows. So I typically don't like to access this uh, fund unless it's really, really an emergency, because the last thing I want is for your emergency to coincide with a down part in the market, meaning we would have some losses. So first of all, we want to go through the banks. We want to go through your backup emergency fund. We want to go through a HELOC. And then if we still needed money, then we could access these long-term funds. Once again, there's no fees from removing money from this account. There's no um, surrender charges. There may be a small trading charge. And with all brokerage accounts, there may be some tax consequences. All right, now moving on to section five. A lot of our clients don't realize that you can actually borrow money from your retirement plans at work. So if you've got a 401k or a 403b at work, many of these accounts have the ability to borrow up to a certain cap it's usually the smaller of 50% or $50,000. They changed these rules a little bit last year during COVID, but in general, you should think of 50% or 50,000, 50,000 being the cap. Now, this is the fifth place we go for emergencies. There are no fees for borrowing in this, but they will require you to pay interest on these loans. Uh, so basically you're paying interest to yourself, which I think is a good thing. Now, it's not great to borrow money from these accounts and then immediately change jobs uh, because they can consider this a distribution and that would make all the funds taxable. So if we're gonna do this, we wanna be careful that we either plan to stay in this job or we've got a plan for paying the money back to yourself. Um, also, not all plans allow for borrowing. So best to look at the rules first to make sure this is gonna work for you. All right, the sixth, 
place to go for still needing more money is the investment grade life insurance account. So most whole life universal life policies or other permanent investment grade life insurance policies will allow you to borrow from them and use the cash value as collateral. So this can be the, a good situation for the right doctor at the right time. Once again, this depends upon the product and the company. Some of these have very, very high interest rates, so I'd only want to do it if it was really a horrible emergency. Some of them have very favorable interest rates. It's very much going to depend upon the product and the company. And specific policies are going to have different borrowing limits and different payback rules. It's very common, though, that you can borrow up to 90% of the cash value. So we evaluate these on a case-by-case -case basis and decide if it's appropriate. I'll be frank, with working with over 500 doctors, I cannot think of a single time that we've had to access their cash value life insurance, but it is there in an emergency if we need to. All right, the final bucket, the final stage is step number seven, IRAs and post-tax accounts. So any Roth account or IRAs will fall into this category. Um, and additionally, we could also include 529 plans here. Now, you cannot borrow from an IRA or a 529 or even a uh, post-tax account, but you can withdraw the funds. Now, the reason this is a last resort and absolutely the last place I'd go is that there are very high penalties for removing funds from a Roth IRA, a Roth 401k or 403b, or even a 529 plan. If you do this before your age 59 and a half, Hello, there's a 10% penalty, and that's not the worst of the news. You also have to pay ordinary income tax on the amount of the gains. There are a few exceptions here, but I've not seen them ever work for a client. Uh, there are also, if you're planning to use this 529 for something other than educational expenses, yes, you're going to have that 10% penalty if you're under 59 and a half, and yes, you're going to have ordinary income tax. So you can see that we only want to go to step number seven if we've been through all the others and we've liquidated all of those first. It's definitely our last ditch place and last resort. So in conclusion, we want to make sure our doctors can focus on their patients and not have to worry about what would happen to their own lives if they couldn't work. We want you to be able to live your lives and have a sense of peace about it. Now with my cascade, Catastrophe plan, hopefully it'll bring you a great sense of peace, but keep in mind the exact order may vary a little bit from doctor to doctor, depending upon what your personal situation is. So here's what I'd like to suggest for you. Take a minute and go through your various accounts and think about this cascade plan and do some rough calculations on how much money you could access within a few days if you found yourself in a really tough, tough financial situation. I think that's going to help you a lot to let you know, do you have enough that's easily accessible or do you need to take some steps to beef it up so you can be more at peace? Now, if you have any questions or you'd like to talk to us about how much is enough for your emergency fund, please feel free to reach out. We are very happy to help. As you know, I have a personal mission to bring all of our doctors a greater sense of financial peace because I just don't want them worried about their finances at all. I want them to enjoy their life and help take care of those patients. So in closing, please follow us on social media. It would mean a lot to us. And if you found this helpful, I'd so be so grateful if you forward it on to your colleagues. 
Now, please send us questions and topics for future issues of our podcast. We always want to make sure we're giving you good information that you can use. And finally, you can always reach out to us directly for a second opinion on your financial health by emailing us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. Until then, please stay healthy and prosper.